Galatians chapter 3. We'll pick up there, man. I, I love, I love the going through the books of the Bible. I love the opportunity to study. It studies me, to teach me, to learn stuff, and to try to learn stuff in, in a way that I could teach. I love learning and, and having things there. I wish I was a good teacher. I wish I had the way to illustrate things, the, the way that I see and the way that I learn. I wish I, I was the kind of teacher that could illustrate almost the passion that I get when I study, when I learn and, and put those things out. But what I will do is, is the best I can. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. We've made it down to verse 15. <laughs> but to, to catch us back up after, after a week off, it's been a couple weeks. Paul says in verse 11, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, for it is evident, or it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hanged on a tree. If you remember, we looked at that. That was an issue that Paul would have had, Not even if he could have found some bargaining on He was Saul uh, of Tarsus. He would have had an issue with this Jesus. Could have been anything from God because he was hanged on a tree. And the word of God said, cursed, cursed is anybody that hangs on a tree. But what we saw in that was we know that Christ fulfilled the law. That's been preached forever and ever. But Christ didn't just fulfill the law. Christ fulfilled the curse of the law for me. There was a curse for sinner. There was a price to be paid. And Jesus Christ fulfilled that so that the curse has been settled on our behalf as children of God. Verse number 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth it or addeth thereto. Addeth thereto. It says, verse 16, Now to Abraham, to his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds uh, of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. This I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. So I want to I want to back up there at verse 15 because Paul has been making his point that, that believers in Jesus Christ, we are the seed of Abraham. He has discussed the conversion of Abraham and now he's reminding them of the covenant of Abraham. A covenant is a contract. Paul said there in verse 15, I speak after the manner of men, uh, though it be a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth it or addeth thereto. When a contract is drawn up, it is agreed upon, negotiated, and brought out, and then signed by, by both parties under a, a proper legal manner. It cannot be modified, and it cannot be changed by another party. The only way that it can be adjusted at all, that any change can be made, is, is that the, uh, the two original signing parties agree on something, and they make an amendment, and then sign on, on the amendment. That, that is the proper function of, of an orderly society. Now, God deals with man in the same way. He operates with man through the ordinance of covenants. We see them from the very beginning, looking back, and I'm not going to list them out and give them to you, even in names, but, but I, I will just give you what, from the very beginning, how God has always 
dealt with man through covenants. He's always dealt through promises. The very first one we had was the covenant of Eden. There where Adam and Eve could live in the garden under the covenant that, that God had made with them. But then you have the, the Adamic or, or the, the covenant there with Adam. But that's after the sin. That, that deals with, with, with the new terms that are now involved now that sin has entered the earth. That is now the covenant with sinful man on this earth. So it's different than what it would have been prior to sin entering in. Then, of course, we have the covenant with Noah. And God promised that he would never bring a flood upon the earth again. Um, and then, then, then we have the Abrahamic covenant. God promises grace and, and mercy and that's what Paul's dealing with that's that's where we are here in the study and of course you also have the mosaic law the covenant with Moses there concerning the law that's the other thing that Paul is discussing that's the issue the difference between law and grace that's where we are in the study the Palestinian co uh, covenant that's that was the conditions that God's children the Hebrew children could live in the promised land uh, you had the, the covenant with David God made that covenant there that establishes the, the millennial kingdom and it confirms the promise that, that a kinsman redeemer is coming and, and then we have the covenant that was foretold in the Old Testament but it was fulfilled at Calvary's cross in the blood of Jesus Christ that is the new covenant but the covenant principle that is how God has always dealt with man God has always dealt through through promises and making covenants with mankind. And, and in many cases, as we saw there, with a certain individual, God makes that covenant, but then he forwards it through to all mankind through that promise. Now, when a new covenant is introduced and it overlaps an existing covenant, it is because of the sins of man that has violated the existing covenant. It, it doesn't always come into to take away the other covenant, it comes in as an addition to. The, the new one's not to cancel out the old one. From the time of the fall of man, which was, of course was through Adam, no matter what covenant has been enforced through, through all of history, the basis of salvation for mankind has always been the same. God's way of saving mankind is through grace by faith. Always has been, always will be. There's never been a time in the history of man, there's never going to come a time that God does not save mankind by grace through faith. So Paul shows that this, this series of, of promises in the covenant with Abraham is an unconditional promise. There, there are absolutely no strings attached. God promised to make Abraham a great nation. He promised that, that he would bless him and that he would make his name great. He, he promised that he would bless those who bless him and he would curse those who curse him. He promised that, that through him all nations would be blessed. He, he promised that the Hebrew nation would be in slavery and that after 400 years he would deliver his children from that slavery in the 40th generation. He promised Abraham that he would live to be a ripe old age. I, I, I think that was a pretty ripe old age. He promised him that he would die in peace. He promised Abraham that he would inherit all of the land from the river Euphrates all the way to the Nile River. And up there, all the land that you could see. That's what, and that, that's the amount of land that, that he promised. And he promised that, that Abraham would be a father of many nations. And he promised that this covenant, this is where we come into play. Thank you, Lord. That, that it's going to be an everlasting covenant. 
It has no end. God doesn't make temporary promises. God makes forever promises. And, and this promise is established between God and Abraham's seed. If we back up a while ago, who's Abraham's seed? Somebody raise your hand. Thank you. We are. So, so you are included in the covenant. Then he made promises concerning Abraham's wife, Sarah. He told her that, that she would be blessed. And he told her that the promised seed was going to come through her, that she was going to give birth and that she would be a mother of kings and of nations. And that she said, he told her she's going to bear a son to Abraham and that son not that illegitimate son, not the one, not Ishmael, not the one through Hagar, not the one where Abraham tried to help God and think that God couldn't fulfill the promises, but where God and his faithfulness, he said, that son will be the heir of promise. So, so these aren't conditional promises. These are promises. The only thing that was required of Abraham was faith. So verse number 16 in our text says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. That, that is the perfect goal of the promise. Everything will ultimately be filled in Jesus Christ. So in the beginning, the seed was in the woman. We, we see it after the fall. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God talking to, to Eve and talking to the devil. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So the first prophecy of, of the scriptures, the first prophecy that God foretold of the coming of the Christ that was going to, going to both redeem fallen man and then he was going to reign as king. 2 Samuel chapter 7, the next time we see the seed, it's the seed of Abraham. So we saw the seed of the woman. Now, now it's the seed of the man. Thing, things have changed. And so we have the seed of Abraham. And, and that restricts the promise of the Messiah that is to come down to one family. God, God originally promises that, that Christ is going to come. Those sides going to come. Now it's going to come in, in this family. It's going to come in, in uh, was first under the Hebrew nation. And, and now it's down to this family. But the, the first promise shows that he's going to be a virgin-born member of the human race. When we get to this promise, it shows that he's going to be a member of the Hebrew race through Abraham, through this type of people. But then later in 2 Samuel... Still in chapter 7, God points to the seed of David promising that Christ is going to be a member of the royal family. That he's going to come through King David through that, that royal line. So Abraham's son Isaac, in, in whom the seed is to be born, Isaac was born contrary to the laws of nature. Anybody say amen? I know it's Wednesday. I know everybody understands that, but I'll review it for a minute anyway. If a woman is barren, that means she's not going to have any children. If, if a woman's starting to push 90 and she ain't had none, pretty good odds they ain't coming. She probably ain't laying awake at night wondering if I'm going to get pregnant and have a child in nine months. I think it's pretty well considered a fact that, that it's not going to happen. Not only is she barren, she's never had any, but she's past the age of childbirth by many years. She's past the age of receptiveness of childbirth, even producing childbirth. And now her husband, he's, he's, he's done stretch well on past. He's up past 90. I mean, the odds of this child is about, um, I don't know, zero. 
So, so that means if there's going to be a child here, it's going to be a miracle baby. This isn't coming from man. This isn't coming from something you can look back and say, uh-oh, look what happened. No, it's look what God did. There, there's no mistaking that we're talking about a, a miracle baby. And, and, and then Paul carries a step further and says, the true seed, the ultimate in all of this, the true seed is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that every promise is pointing to. Everything is pointing forward to Christ. Now, if, if we can cheat right here, y'all don't mind if I cheat and look ahead a few verses, do you? I, I, need, I need to look down at verse number 29 but because it really belongs right at, but it don't it belongs right where it's at. But I need it right here. If ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, so that, that's us. The supreme goal of the promise to Abraham concerning the seed is the coming of Christ. So everything hinges on the promise. Not on works, but grace. Not on merits, but God. Not on the law of Moses, but on faith in Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Everything hinges on faith. So Paul says one seed. <coughs> he says not two seeds, plural, as of many, not, not two seeds, not two seeds. So he's talking about, this isn't a plural, but this is one. Into thy seed, which is Christ. Verse 17 says, this I say that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. So that word disannul means to make void or to make of, of no effect. So Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. The, the children of Israel is going to be 430 years later. After his departure of, of Haran, there's going to be a 430-year window. And for, for 400 years, we know that they're going to be in slavery. Now, Paul's not dealing with Old Testament chronology right here. He's not trying to give us a chronological order of the Old Testament. He's just making a point. The law was given hundreds of years after the promise, and the law given hundreds of years after the promise cannot weaken or disannul the promise. It does not take the promise away. The law had its time. The law had its place. The law had its season. The law had, had its purpose. But it does not erase or replace the original promise. God's promise is God's promise. The promise is unconditional, but it's also unrevocable. Anybody thankful that your promise is unrevocable? That your salvation is unrevocable, unremovable, unchangeable? God can't back up. God can't change his mind. It's settled forever. <laughs> it's unconditional. There, there's no way that the law of Moses could void out the promise of God's contract with Abraham. If the law could have voided the contract, then the promise was really of no effect in the first place. The covenant or the contract that, that God made with Abraham, it's not just a, a matter between God and Abraham. God didn't come in and make this, this little secret covenant with Abraham and go, this is just between you and I. And it's like, if God breaks it, nobody really knows. It just becomes Abraham's word against God. 
God records it in his word. For all people to see for all of eternity, settled in heaven, never to be removed, never to be erased. So we have God's promise in writing. God said, I'm not just going to make it. I'm going to put it down so you're going to have it. You don't have to follow on somebody else's word. You got mine. My Holy Spirit moved through men and wrote it down. I'm handing you a record of the promise. So you have the promise written down. If the law, if the law had the power to break the promise then God would have broken his word to Abraham. But God cannot and God will not break his covenant, which would be to break his promise. Now, remember that this is the letter to the church at Galatia. So the apostle Paul is writing to the Galatians. And if you remember, the reason he started writing this letter is because you have some legalistic Jews who have come in and they begin to persuade the Christians there at Galatia, the ones, the, the, the converts, if you will, they, they have, they begin to mislead them in teaching. They begin to instruct them, almost bewitch them, if you will. So, so they're bringing them back in, into the, the things of the law and they're taking their stand on Moses. They backed up to Moses, their own words. Hey, as for this this man, Moses, we know he was with God. You remember the Pharisee says, this man, Jesus, we don't know. But we know Moses. We know that Moses heard from God and wrote the law. So they're taking their study all the way back to Moses and to law. And they're saying, we know that God spoke to Moses and God gave Moses law. Paul says, that's fine. I'm not arguing with you on that. You're 100% right. God spoke to Moses and gave Moses the law. But that ain't where it started. God spoke to Abraham way before that. The promise came way before the law came. So yeah, you're right. You're going back to Moses, but you're not going back far enough. For if the inheritance be of the law, then it's no more promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Let's say, let's say that Y'all, this, this is going to be a paraphrase, so nobody's going to hold me to this. I'm going and getting it on recording right now that this ain't a promise. It ain't a joke either. This is, this is just a situational what if. Because I don't want anybody to come up on the first day of summer and say you owe me $1,000. But what if I told everybody, come first day of summer, I'm going to give you $1,000. And, and, and that's all I say. I, I promise you come First day of summer, I'm going to give you $1,000. That's my covenant. Is that contract binding? Huh? No, so reality is, if I promise you that I'm going to give you $1,000, everybody $1,000 on the first day of summer, that is a binding contract because a promise is a promise. And it is based on the integrity of my character. Now, we're looking at God and the integrity of his character, right? So if he made a promise, I can bank on the promise. So if I tell you guys, I'm making a covenant with you on the first day of summer, I'm going to give everybody $1,000. That, that becomes a, a binding contract. And if I don't deliver that, then I've broken my word. I, I promised you one thing, but I didn't keep it. So, so it's binding based on my promise. Now... If I made the promise to you that on the first day of summer, I'm going to give everybody $1,000, what is your part in it? 
Huh? You have no part. That's all you got to do. You, you either believe me by faith or you don't believe by faith. I've made you a promise. There are no strings attached. I've not said anything for you to do. I've not put any stipulations. I ain't talked about if the, if the third full moon shows up. before. I, I, all I said was this is the promise. And so all you have to do is by faith believe that I'm good for my word. And either I am or I'm not. Is God good for his word? That's what we're basing things on. Now, what if next month I come in and I say, I'll tell you what we're going to do. If you don't miss a church service between now and the first day of summer, I'm going to give you that $1,000. Wait a minute. You just said a month ago he's going to give us $1,000. What have I done? I, I broke the contract. I, I've put stipulations on the contract. I've come in and I've put a law in. And it said, you had a promise, but now I've come in and, and I'm going to add a law. And I'm only going to deliver the promise if you keep the law. Then the promise never was really any good to start with, was it? It was, it was broken from the beginning. So, so I, I have broken my word because I've added some rules to the promise. I've added some rules that, that must be kept. Now, I can add a law that you have to be at church, but that has nothing to do with the original promise. See, that, that, is, an, that is an addition to, that, that's an, a stipulation. I'm still going to give you the $1,000, but you've got to do something to get it. Now it's no longer a promise, is it? Now it's no longer of faith. It's really not a matter anymore of you believing by faith that, that I'm going to give it to you. It's a matter of do you trust my second promise? Because I already broke my first one. So now you wonder, is my second promise through the law going to be good enough that if I come to church every time, is that enough for me to do this, hoping that he's going to keep that second promise? And if you do, when you get it, it really isn't a promise and it really isn't a gift. Now it is a payoff for a work that was done. Now, now, it, now it becomes payback. It's a paycheck. I made a deal. You do something, I pay this much. So it's no longer a gift, is it? That, that, that's, not, that's not the way God works. If my original promise was, was unconditional, and now I'm, I'm placing stipulations that, that you have to keep, then I'm no longer offering a gift. That's not the way God works. That's not the way this book works. At no point has God ever removed the promise. And the promise started with Abraham. And it's important that we are the seed of Abraham. That makes us children of God. That means we're still under the same promise. And the promise that God has made cannot be taken away. That means that the original promise all pointed to Christ. And Christ was the, prom was the promise. And, and Christ is the salvation. And Christ is the redeemer. Then nothing can take that away. It's been promised to me by God. That's what Paul is trying to tell the, the Galatian people here. And you got the Pharisees here. You got the ones that are backing up to the law of Moses. And they're going, no, it's all about the law. That's what Paul is trying to tell them. It's not about the law. It's about grace. It's about mercy. It's about what God does for us. Yes, the law came. But the law did not take away the promise. It did not disannul the promise. That, that's what he's trying to teach him here. He says, wherefore then serveth the law? Paul, Paul says, if that's the case, if that's the case, if, if, the, if the law 
Um, if the law would change it, then, then what was the promise for? The law was added because of transgressions, because of the sinfulness of man. You go all the way back to when it repented God that he had made man. But thank God for Genesis 6, 8, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Anybody thankful that one man was stood up in an all-world of society, a world full of wickedness and evil and all kind of corruption, that one man stood up and said, I'm going to stand for God no matter what anybody else says. I'm going to build a boat. I don't care how much everybody laughs. I'm going to do everything I do. I'm going to take my wife. I'm going to take my three sons, my three daughters-in-law, and we're going to get on that boat, and we're going to trust all these animals. One man, one man. You think you can't make a difference in this world? How much difference did Noah make? Pretty good bit. How, how much difference did one man make by not just being himself, but making sure that his wife was on the same side and understood the importance of it? In making sure that his children and, and his children's soulmates are all plugged in. How important was it? for? for can, can I tell you, if Lot had just witnessed to his own house, Sodom and Gomorrah was never erased? Because he bargained with God, right? Abraham bargained with God. Hey, if 50 was there, hey, God, don't get mad at me. What about 40 and 35, 30? And hey, God, peradventure, should there be 20? And, and he gets all the way down to a number smaller than the number of people who lived in Lot's house in his own family. And if Lot had his own family in order, two entire cities are saved because of one man. You think one man don't matter? You think one family doesn't matter? You think keeping your house in order, husbands, keeping wives, keeping children, you think things don't matter, they're not in order? Read the book. Read the book. And it's all the promise. And the promises given to us, you keep things in order and God is there. See, it is impossible for God to break a promise. The word ordained comes from a word there that it says it was added because of transgression till the siege comes. The promise was made, it was ordained. I'm still at verse number 19. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. That, that word ordained, it comes from a Greek word. It means it was prescribed or, or it, was, it was commanded. And then it was delivered by angels, which are messengers. And it was given to a mediator. Verse number 20. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one. But God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. See, it's all about faith. It's always been all about faith. Coming to church, good works, but works. Serving God, good works, but works. Working in ministries, good works, but works. We don't do those things to be saved. We do that because we are saved. You didn't come here tonight to get saved. Well, you may have. I hope everybody has saved. Anybody come to get saved? We need to stop doing invitation. You... I'm pretty sure the Wednesday night crowd came here because you are saved. You came here because you remember the day when Jesus Christ purchased your soul, washed all your sins away, all things passed away. Behold, all things become new, and you're a child of God. 
So we didn't come here to get saved tonight. We came here because we are saved tonight, because we want to fellowship with the brethren, because we want to worship God, because we want to sing praises to his name, and because we want to study the book together and learn things together about it. It's always been about faith. It's always going to be about faith. Verse number 19 here, Paul begins explaining that the law has a season and the law has, has a purpose. He already explained here that, that it has a reason, but it doesn't take away the promise. But he really um, begins to, he got about three points right here that he changes and begins to, to break things down. So I don't want to start in the middle of something and stop. That's a really good place when we're changing. So Lord willing, we'll pick up right there next week. We're going to leave off here at verse number 19. Um, be a good place for you to read and look ahead and, and study. And I, I'll be honest with you, probably... Probably reading passages ahead and, and looking at things before you come on Wednesday night to read the next six or eight verses. Probably amazed what God has shown you and there'll be things that I won't see. And then you can take those things and add them to them and God adds it together. But we, 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 may, we, we may look at that a little more on Sunday, but there ain't nothing quite like reading God's word. God has equipped us with everything that we need to live the life that he's given us to live. And there's the equipment. Every instruction, every reason, every promise that we need, every situation, it's all there. Sometimes we don't like it because sometimes it says that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And what's going on in our life ain't good. So we don't like reading it because it doesn't necessarily fit my mood at the time. But it doesn't change the fact that if God gave me the life to get me into that storm, then God's already got the provisions in place to get me out of that storm. Amen. It's all in the book. Father, thank you so much for this precious book, God. Thank you for your word, holy word, living water, God. It never stands still. Every time we read it, it's constantly bringing something new downstream, something fresh, God, something that we can feast on and, and drink on and, and, and receive nourishment from, God. I thank you for this book. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we can come together as your people, as your children washed in the blood. Father, I thank you for being so good to us, Lord. I pray you'd pour your blessings out on every family represented here tonight, Lord. Be with those as they come back from the nursing home. Keep a hedge of protection around them. And God, I pray you'd help us as we go forward, go our own ways to be pleasing, Lord. I pray you'd bless every home, every marriage, every family, God. And help us that people see Christ in us and Christ through us in all we do. We love you, Father. In Jesus' precious holy name, all God's people said, Amen.